Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech. Executive producer of social media here at the IQ. And you know, in my two years or so of hosting this podcast, I do not believe I have ever had a music content creator on the podcast. Have I? No, no, absolutely, positively not. So I think it's time to get into that. So today's guest is a trumpet player. He creates content on YouTube around his chumming playing and different things like that. And he's going to talk about how he built his content around him playing the trumpet because I feel like it's really difficult for music creators to grow on YouTube because of the, the, the nicheness of music, depending on what it is and just how like you really have to lock it to your audience. So we're going to get into all that today. So let me bring my man Josh in here and let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. And this week's guest is a musician. We don't really have too many musicians on the podcast, but we have a YouTube content creator, a musician, a trumpet player. My man, Josh Zepka, is here on the podcast. Hey, Josh, how you doing, sir? What's going on, Viper? Thanks for having me here. Man, thank you for being here, man. I know how busy you stay. You're all over the place, man. Yeah, Every time I talk to you, you're traveling from one place to another. So thank you for making the time, my dude. Yeah, no problem at all. All right, Josh, so the first question I'm going to ask you, what brought you to YouTube? Ooh, that's a good question. The Really, the first thing that actually brought me into YouTube was, uh, this is going back years ago. Um, you know, I, I'm a trumpeter. I perform. I travel. I teach. And part of teaching, you know, I've had a lot of students over the years. And I found that I was having all these students kind of come to me in lessons and they're like, hey, you know, Mr. Rezepka, what do you think about this? And then they would bring up some idea or they would show me some video from YouTube. And way back then, there was a bunch of people putting videos on YouTube that I wouldn't listen to their advice on the trumpet. But they were, you know, some of the first people out there. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I better get on there and put something, you know, for my students just so that that I can, you know, put something out there that I, that I think is going to be really, really very helpful because, you know, even if you're, even if you're putting out good information, you know, if, if you don't put it out the right way or preface it a certain way, it can be misinterpreted. And that's what I was finding was happening. And I created a couple of videos for my students and that's kind of what first got me into, you know, YouTube creation. Yeah. I was looking at your channel and I didn't even realize that your oldest YouTube video is 12 years old. 12 years, man. Woo. Yeah, I kind of made a couple of videos. So like that's like those videos I made way at the beginning. Um, you know, some of the first videos I put up there were just kind of internal. Like, hey, this is me performing with my group. And that was something that I used for booking. You know, that was something that I sent to clubs and venues and to, and to promoters. But then I started doing a couple lesson videos you know, talking about how to play the trumpet better. And those were strictly, you know, I kind of just made them for my students because these were things that that they were struggling with 
in lessons. And at one point in time, I was teaching 40 different trumpet players every week. I had 40 young students that I was working with every single week wow. at three different schools. So I was driving all over and, and I was working with them and it's like, well, I'm saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Well, let me just capture this on video once and then I can put it there. And then whenever I need to remind them, I can send them that video or I could I could be like, yo, you got to check out this video I made. So for me, it really started that as that teaching aid. And then I kind of fell off and I, you know, kind of neglected YouTube for a while because my performance career, you know, was was getting really busy. And uh, it wasn't until the pandemic hit that I kind of dove in big time and, and was like, OK, I'm going to really, really try and do this on YouTube. I was just about to bring up the fact that looking throughout your channel, 10 three, even though your oldest YouTube video is 12 years old, it seems like uh, like you said, there was a, a big gap from after year six to uh, three years ago, which would to your point would be around a pandemic. So. You said that you started out by uh, making lessons for your students and teaching them how to do different things with the trumpet. But as I look at your channel and content today, it looks like you are talking about different instruments and different components of the trumpet and how to uh, use these things or how these things work into a trumpet playing workflow. So what led to that transition in the content from teaching how to play the trumpet to talking about trumpet instrument components and parts? Yeah. So so what you're talking about is the trumpet mutes and this is such a wild story and this is such a wild thing like what youtube has done what i've been able to achieve on youtube by by picking this niche all right right so what i found over my years was you know i'm performing i'm playing all these gigs and and, and i live here in chicago and i had a, a weekly jazz trio gig for like two years at, at this uh this joint up in uh in in evanston just north of, of chicago and i was playing you know, I had to kind of keep it soft. So I was using a Harmon mute. And if you're, if you've ever listened to Miles Davis, then you've, you've heard the Harmon mute because, you know, he had this very specific sound and, you know, you put it inside of the trumpet and it, and it changes how it sounds. So I was trying to find a very specific sound for this gig and I wasn't getting it. So I bought a different brand, Harmon mute, and then I bought a different one. And then I started buying old ones and eventually I had like 20 of them. So then I'm like, okay, well, I figured it out. And once I started thinking at, you know, during the pandemic, I'm like, okay, like what's something that I can talk about where, you know, I've got like a, really a niche, you know, where's something like within the trumpet world that I've got an expertise on. That's a new take that no one else had, had, you know, really talked about. And I looked through my past videos that I'd created years back and I noticed one of them kind of stood out and it was this video where I compared like 10 different Harmon mutes and it had really popped off and I'm like, all right, well, maybe people are interested in that. So I started this weekly series mute Monday where I'm talking about, you know, these trumpet accessories and it really kind of blew up and it's connected me with all the manufacturers. It's connected me with some of the top performers in the entire trumpet world. And now I'm traveling this this year, this spring and, and, you know, into the summer presenting master classes at universities all over the country. And, and I was even invited to the International Trumpet Guild Conference to present a lecture on trumpet mutes wow. just because I established myself in this niche, you know, creating these videos week after week after week. So it's kind of wild that I was like, all right, let's let's look and see what was successful. 
and then just lean into that and, and work it. I love that antidote because I always talk about creators becoming the subject matter expert of their chosen niche. And obviously with you being a trumpet player and you having advanced knowledge of the trumpet and how it works, you were able to slide into a niche on YouTube talking about the trumpet music. And like you said, now you're getting invited to talk all over the country and things about trumpet music and how they work and how to get the best sound and things like that because you put that content out on YouTube. And isn't that, again, yeah. it goes back to what I keep saying, right? Becoming the authority in your niche and becoming such an authority that people come to you for the thing that they're looking for. And it sounds like you have done a great job at that with the trumpet industry. It's, it's actually kind of wild because I get messages pretty frequently from all over the world, from like famous jazz musicians, from famous orchestral mm. trumpet players playing in orchestras in, in Europe and like recording artists, people on Hollywood films that we've all heard. And they message me and they're like, Hey man, I was listening to your, your video. And you know, what do you think about this mute? Or, well, you know, what do you recommend for this performance? <laughs> and it's just like, it's kind of wild because I would have no connection to these, these world-class players otherwise, except now I put it out there and, and they're reaching out to me and they're finding me, uh, just because I, you know, I, I created that, uh, uh, that expert space in that, in that niche. That is, that is pretty incredible, man. So as I look at your channel, you're doing videos, like regular long form videos, you're doing that. You're doing live streams. It looks like you're doing live streams. We haven't done much recently. You did one a month ago, but you are live streaming. But I don't see any YouTube short. So I'm Ooh. curious. What are your thoughts about YouTube short? Do you have a plan to ever like experiment with uh with those? Or what are your thoughts exactly? I'm actually planning on filming my first ones this week. Oh, okay. Um, so I've got a running list of ideas, as I think so many, you know, creators do. They've got, you know, just a whole list of of different video concepts and ideas. And and uh, you know, you gotta just keep you keep putting them out there and workshopping them and then once you find ones that you think are really kind of uh exciting you go for them so i've got a list of shorts as well that i've been working on and and finally uh i'm gonna batch create a handful of them and and try and get into that um streaming i love streaming and i kind of set up my studio here to be able to stream more and uh that is in the works more for this year as well but uh yeah shorts you know i haven't i haven't done it yet but but i'm working on it so uh, it's, this is going to be experimentation time for me. Yeah. And, and it's the other thing that I talk about when I talk about creators doing shorts, don't do them just for the sake of doing them. Do them only if they make sense for your audience, because uh, YouTube shorts don't make sense for everybody. Uh, it depends on your niche, your audience and the type of YouTube shorts that you want to do. Uh, I think Renee Richie, the YouTube liaison, uh, the YouTube liaison says that if you're thinking about doing YouTube shorts and you're trying to decide whether or not to put them on your main channel or a separate channel, Put them on your main channel if you're targeting the same audience. But if you're uh, targeting a separate audience, then you should put them on a new channel. So I think that's a good baseline to judge off of when we're talking about creators maybe experimenting with YouTube shorts. So it sounds like uh, you're going to be targeting your same audience even with the short form yeah. content. So uh, it would behoove you, uh, as Renee said, to keep it on the same channel. Yeah, definitely. And actually, a lot of the shorts videos that I have planned out um, are react you know now i want to say reactions but they are uh they're answers to questions that i get you know i get questions to videos that i post and people are like you know i'm reviewing a product and they're like oh this is cool how would you compare it to you know this other one or what would you say about you know in this circumstance that doesn't require a dedicated video like a full length you know six eight ten twelve some of my videos are very long 
that doesn't <laughs> require a big in-depth thing. I can do that in 60 seconds. So those are some of the opportunities where, you know, I want to just basically take it as a question and pop it up there and then dive into it real quick and get that information out there. Uh, Cause then it's like, I'm taking one piece of content and creating more out of it. And then it's referencing that original one as well. Gotcha. So I want to talk about your, your journey as far as your growth. So obviously the channel is 12 years old, but it seems like you didn't really start diving into YouTube until started the pandemic around three years ago. What was your subscriber count around three years ago when you started out compared to what it is today? Cause today you're at over 4,000 subscribers. Yeah. But what was that when you just, when you kind of figured, okay, let me go back to attacking YouTube three years ago. So where were you at three years ago? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I have to jump into my analytics to find the exact number, but I, I think it was let it was less than 500. Mm, okay. I think it was maybe like 400 or, you know, it was like, it, it, it was really small then. And I remember, you know, it was once I started posting regularly, then it's like, Oh, I hit a thousand. And then I had to, you know, keep growing and keep growing until I hit those watch hours. And then I had a couple, uh, you know, I had a couple of videos that just really popped off, which, which, uh, which helped help get traction. But, but, you know, my mute Monday series, um, I've got 60 near nearly 65 videos in that series. Mm. Uh, so it's like, you know, there it's the biggest resource on trumpet mutes on the entire Internet. And, you know, no, I mean, you someone else could replicate it if they wanted to. But it's it's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of videos. It's a lot of work. So would you say that the mute Monday theory kind of helped grow the channel that way? That one did. Um, there's a there's an interview series that I created, and I think I need to totally redo the thumbnails on all of them. But uh, there's an interview series that I created. I've posted ten out of fifteen videos from it so far, and it's been you know I kind of got into it quick, and it was during the the pandemic that I recorded it, and that one actually gave me the biggest traction. And these are really long videos. These are forty five minutes to an hour long you know, in-depth um, interviews, but I did it in a way that no one else had ever done an uh, interview series for the in the trumpet world or, or in the music space, at least that I'm familiar with. Um, so I, I took a series of questions, 15 questions, and I interviewed 17 of the best trumpet players in the entire world. And I asked everyone the exact same question. And then I chopped up all the interviews. And then I would, for each video, introduce one question. And then you would hear that answered by all 17 trumpet players one after the next so it was like really very fascinating because it's it's people from every different style and genre and people who've been around playing professionally for decades and then some of them who were in the you know beginning of their career so uh that really popped off the most because it had the the broadest appeal you know that was super broad appeal which is something i'm trying to lean into more this year because mutes there's i think a, a ceiling to the number of trumpet players that are like super trumpet geeks that are really interested in that niche. Uh, so I got to expand it a little bit to, to capture more of the, the trumpet world. Yeah, that's definitely uh, an interesting way of attacking the interview uh, thing, having uh, the same question and having 17 different people probably answer it 17 different ways. <laughs> in some respect. Yeah. That's kind of crazy, though. Uh, kind of a, a brilliant idea that you did and it seemed like it helped you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that that first uh, 
I think the first video when I dropped it, no one was ready for it. Like no one, no one had ever seen anything like that. And I spent like at least 60 hours editing that first video. Wow. So I kind of got burnt out after a couple of them. <laughs> and then I took a long break from the interview series. But that first video, I think that video alone got me, you know, a thousand subscribers. And and it got me like four, I think I got 400, 500 hours of watch time just like in the first day that it dropped, you know? Wow. Like it was kind of wild. That is amazing. Look, as YouTube creators ourselves, we've all been there. Sometimes the next video on your weekly upload schedule is right around the corner, but you have no idea what you're going to record. Well, this exact situation is why vidIQ developed Daily Ideas. It's our newest tool that can help provide you with up to 50 new video ideas every single day. Your daily ideas are generated by our AI, which analyzes your channel and the wider YouTube community to find trending topics with high view potential. With this new tool, you'll never run out of great ideas for new videos. You can try daily ideas for yourself today by downloading vidIQ at vidIQ.com. I want to talk about your video length because as I look throughout your channel, you have videos of all different lengths. You got video from seven to eight minutes to 12 minutes up to 40 some odd minutes, maybe over an hour. I know some of that is interviews that you did, but like, how do you determine, I guess for the non-interview videos, how do you determine length? Because that's something that we talk about a lot as creators. How long does the video need to be? And I always say that your video should be as long as it needs to be to tell your story. But how do you determine video length for your content? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, that's something I've been thinking about a lot more recently. When I was first getting into it, I was like, hey, I'm doing this and I'm going to, you know, provide all this information and content. And then it really should have been two videos or three videos. And I think, uh, but that being said, I'm seeing in my analytics uh, at more people watching on television, mm. my videos. And I've been filming all my videos in 4K for a couple of years now. So it's like, it's very well suited to watch my content on a, on a big screen. It's going to look good. So on the one hand, I want to keep things, you know, a medium length, but uh, I would say between eight and 15 minutes is probably my target. But uh, uh, sometimes it goes up to 20 minutes because I just need to get through a lot, but I'm trying to trying to avoid that. One thing that's really helped me uh, keep my videos uh, tighter recently is I got uh, this Elgato prompter and I've been Ooh, <laughs> and and I've been scripting all my videos out. I used to just do bullet points and I used to kind of just ramble. I would do like two, three takes of my introduction, you know, and then I would do all my 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 trumpet playing examples. And then I would kind of give like a final thoughts outro. But I would just kind of, you know, wing it. I would have bullet points. And well, man, I got a tendency to just kind of talk and I got a tendency to go on a tangent here and there and add more than is necessary. So what I found by scripting them out, I'm getting everything that I want and I'm not adding anything unnecessary and it's saving my editing hours and hours. But, uh, but also I'm finding it's just keeping my videos actually much faster pace on a shorter, on a shorter, uh, end of things. And, and it's not, uh, you know, and it's not taking as long. So, you know, I'm getting uh, getting getting everything I want in there without without it being too uh, too long. Now that's fascinating to me because I kind of make my videos in the way that you used to make your videos. I'll have a few bullet points outlined, and I'll just go and talk through the bullet points, and then add any additional context I want to add. But I myself, but I know this is just my opinion, but I myself, 
I don't want to script my video because I don't want to come off as sounding robotic and different things like that. So I'm curious as to how do you go about scripting your content, but still coming off as organic and non-robotic when you are presenting the content on camera? So I got a process. I, I, I just thought of it myself. I'm sure other people do this as well, but I use Google Docs. And if you go into Google Documents, uh, you can you can hit one of the settings and it will allow you to talk into a microphone and it'll and it'll write it out for you. You know, it'll it'll transcribe it. Mm -hmm. So I basically go into Google Docs and I dictate what I think my video should be. You know, I'm, I'm like, hey, what's up? It's Josh Rizupke here today. I'm talking about and I just do the whole video and then I go through it. And if there's any details that I left out, things that were important or, you know, if there's things that. Uh, that need to be deleted. Uh, I edit it, of course. You know, I, I make sure that it's that it's got what it needs to be, and it and it makes sense. But the the uh, the genesis of the material, you know, the origination of the script is from my talking. So it's not it's 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 not going to sound like my writing because it wasn't my writing to begin with. It was my natural my not natural talking. So uh, doing it that way, at least for me, it it feels real natural when I'm reading the script because it's the same way that I would be talking. And, you know, I'm starting, I'm starting sentences and phrases, you know, like, and then what did you think about? Because that's just the way that I said it. So uh, that's the way that I find, at least for me, uh, has been the most effective and the most organic. Gotcha. Okay. So I know you said earlier that the interview series, or at least the first interview video got you a lot of subscribers, but clearly your growth did not stop there. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on what else do you feel like has benefited your growth? Because you said you started from less than a thousand when you jumped on three years ago. Yeah. Today you're over 4,000. I mean, the interview theory was good, but that's only a small part of it. So what yeah. else do you feel like has contributed to your growth on YouTube? Um, I would say the periods of consistency that I've had. <laughs> and that's, that's the wild thing because it's like, I know that if I was consistent all along, if you look on my videos, you see there's big, big gaps here and there where it's like I'm getting momentum. There was a time I was doing two videos a week. There was a time I was doing one video a week. There's been a couple breaks of, of months here and there where, you know, things kind of dropped off. But I'm a full time musician. You know, I, I go on the road sometimes and I'm touring and I'm traveling and, and sometimes it's just not in my schedule to be able to, you know, create because playing the trumpet and, and teaching and all that, like that's, what's paying the bills. So, you know, YouTube, I'm making money from it, uh, from, you know, AdSense, I'm making money. I'm getting bookings from it. I'm getting invited places. I'm getting paid for that. Uh, you know, sometimes I've got these breaks where I haven't posted any videos, but well, I was hired by a couple of the trumpet mute manufacturers to make videos for them. You know, not not to post on my channel, but like for their websites. Right. So, you know, I'm creating all along. Uh, but yeah, I know if I if I would if I could stick to a weekly upload, I know that my growth uh, would would definitely definitely uh, really be supercharged because because I see it whenever I stop posting. You know, I'm not getting as many subs, and then once I start posting once a week. The, it just really grows so much quicker. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go a little bit deeper into that. Why do you think that is? That when you maintain that consistency, your growth is affected in a positive way. Why do you believe that is? Well, I know that I'm subbing to people. Like when I see a video I really like, 
and then I'll go click on their, I always click on their, their page first before I sub and I click on it and it's like, oh, this is from four years ago. They haven't posted anything since. Well, I'm not going to sub because there's nothing new. Right. But if I go there and I see, hey, this was from three days ago, oh, a week ago, or two weeks ago, oh, four weeks ago, six, it's like, okay, cool. They're going to be posting again. I want to see it. So I, you know, I know for me, when I see people are, are posting consistently, then I want to sub to them. So uh, I assume there's a lot of people out there that are just like that. I'm glad you said that because I, we always talk about consistency here at vidIQ, but it's interesting to get your thoughts as a viewer, even though you are a content creator, but you just gave us that perspective from a viewer perspective because I'm the same way, right? Uh, before I ever hit subscribe on somebody's channel, I'm looking to see how often they post because I want to know if they're if this is something they're doing on a regular basis or are they just doing it sporadically because, again, I always talk about building trust with your audience and the way that you build that trust is to post on a consistent basis because then me as a viewer can rely on you, the creator, to consistently give me content on a week by week or biweekly basis, whatever it is. But as long as you're consistent with it, that makes me more comfortable as a viewer. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you highlighted that and pointed that out. Yeah. And that's that's like, you know, like I said, that's a big goal for me this year. Uh, and I've taken some big steps uh, to end out uh, 2023 where I upgraded some things in my studio and you know of course like any gear is going to work however for my situation where i am traveling i'm touring i'm playing gigs and you know my schedule is different every week you know it's different here this week i'm home on friday i'm playing a gig out in dubuque iowa you know uh, in two weeks i'm going to boston for five days to to teach at you know four different universities like i'm uh you know i'm bouncing around a lot so some weeks when I'm out of town, it's like, well, if I can create something in advance then I can post it and have it scheduled. And that is something I've been working towards. Um, so like for my mute videos, for instance, um, I batch recorded um, 18, you know, different mutes, all like my my B-roll shots. Like I set it up once and I because that requires me like moving my studio around. And then instead of just doing one at a time, what I used to, I batch recorded 18 of them. And, you know, this, this weekend, I'm going to batch record playing examples for like the next six videos. That way, when I go to record, I can just have my setup as I got it right now with my camera, you know, mounted on my, my prompter and my desk and my lights and my mic and, you know, just get it all done. Um, and, you know, I just make the make the space work for me and create that workflow so that I can I can get things, uh, you know, posted in advance because uh, that's the only way that I can consistently post every week is if I batch them in advance, because sometimes my week looks cool and I'm like, OK, cool, I'm going to be able to record this week. And then I get called for three gigs or I get called to, like, you know, arrange some music or like whatever happens. Cause as a freelance, that's, that's your life. You know, your schedule isn't in your control. So, uh, it's just been a little bit more proactive for me to be able to uh, get to that space where I can, you know, batch everything. Let's talk about that a little bit more because there are a lot of creators out there that have the aspiration of becoming a full-time YouTuber, but they have a lot of things that are potential obstacles and they're doing that. Maybe they go to school, maybe they have a family, maybe they work a nine to five job, or maybe they work another type of job or whatever. Whatever the case may be, they have obstacles that are prohibiting them from being consistent on YouTube and, and, and putting the effort into YouTube that they should 
in order to realize it to be a full-time thing. But you are a traveling magician. You, you, you have a family and you still find a time because you just highlighted how you batch things. You, you kind of schedule around what's going on in your life to make it happen. So talk to us a little bit about how you schedule things because you just said your schedule is not set. You're a freelance musician. So your schedule changes from week to week, but you still find time to be consistent making YouTube videos. And it's just like motivation, determination, discipline. Like what do you do? What are you doing that other people cannot are not doing? Um, well, yeah, I mean, some of it is like, yeah, some of it is that, I mean, like, I want to do it, you know, I want to do it and, and I enjoy the process. And this is a, you know, to me as a, as a musician, I'm a, I'm an artistic creative person and like creating videos is, is another creative outlet for me as well. And I understand, you know, there's things I'm trying to accomplish and do with that, that are benefiting my career. And, and so it does have a priority in that, um, but yeah, no, it's been really tough. At, you know, it's wild. Like when I think about, you know, during the pandemic, like, man, I was cranking videos out left and right because I didn't have any gigs. Right. I didn't have any gigs for a year and a half. So I was doing 40 hours a week on YouTube. And like I was I just started and 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 kept going. It really became a challenge once. And it took a while for me to find the balance. Like once gigs started coming back and I was going to rehearsals and I was traveling. Um that's why there's times where I've had big breaks and it took me like having periods where I was super productive and then I was on the road and doing things. And then I, you know, I got out of, I got out of it. And sometimes you get out of things. It's, it's a little tricky to kind of jump back in. Um, you know, just because you're, you, you know, you feel like, you know, there isn't a momentum there and it's like, man, well, this is, you know, I'm going to put all this time into a video and then it's not going to get that many views because, you know, the algorithm, you know, people have all these ideas and, and things that they want to blame, but yeah, just getting into it. And when I've had these periods where I've been super busy with work and I haven't had a chance to create, it's had me readjust and think like, okay, well, what is something that I can do to make it easier for me to make it happen? Like what are steps that I can do in order to make it easy for me to create? Because uh, for me, if if there's a lot of barriers in the way, then automatically, like my body and my mind are just like, I don't want to do it. And because because I'm talking about music, because I'm talking about trumpet and I'm performing and do it, you know, there's a lot more than just getting in front of the camera. It's like, well, you know, I gotta I gotta be warmed up. I gotta be feeling good. I gotta feel energized and be in the right you know mind space in order to create. And in order to talk about music, so I just found it's like, okay, well, there's certain times of the day that that is best for me for that. And then it's like, okay, well, how do I make my studio work for me so that when that time of the day happens, I don't have to spend an hour cleaning up and moving things around and plugging things in. All I got to do is hit a few switches and then I'm ready to go. So that was this last December. I mounted a big rail on my ceiling. I mounted three of my lights up there and ran all the wiring and cabling. So all I got to do is hit one switch on a power strip. And from, for one of my setups, boom, good to go. And then here at my desk, I got the, the, the key lights mounted. I got my camera mounted. Same thing. My microphone is here on a boom, ready to go. So I set it up in a way where, you know, I spent that extra time to, mm -hmm. to make my studio work for me so that whatever time that I have that's limited, I can just get into it. And then Boom, it's good to go.
Damn. I love that um, because I also have the ability to where I have a dedicated workroom in my house. So I got to turn on a few switches to your point and boom, I'm ready to go record and do all the things. And I feel like that is such a cheat code for a creator, yep. especially if you want to do this consistently, making your setup so easy to just get right into the video and do what you got to do. Like you said, you don't want to spend an hour or whatever cleaning up and or setting up a new space every time you do a video. And I know not everybody has the capability to have like a dedicated space in their house. But if you can do that, you can figure out a way to if you can't use the whole room, like have a dedicated area of your house or office or whatever that you can uh, get your hands on to set it up for work. I think that will make your content creation a lot easier to get into when you have that dedicated space. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it's funny because that was something that like I had heard way back um, in relation to music where, you know, someone was like, hey, like your trump you should leave your trumpet out on the music on a stand all the time you know there's a little stand you could put your trumpet on they're like leave it on the stand don't put it in the case because if you put it in the case well then every time you want to practice and play you got to open the case you got to take it out you got to put it together you got to you know but if i if you just leave it on the stand right next to you and it's just there all the time well you could just pick it up at any time and play a couple of notes. You could, you know, just pick it up and practice for a little five minutes or 10 minutes. But like, if you need to go, you know, get it out of the closet or you need to get it from wherever and, and set it up. Well, that's all the time that you were going to, you know, maybe you only had a few minutes and like, okay, a few minutes, what's that? Well, if you don't have a lot of time, a few minutes here, a few minutes there, a few minutes, like that adds up, you know, that, that adds up, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, it's like, you work out, I work out. It's like, I used to have it in my mind that I used to ha have to go to the gym for like two hours. Cause I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do cardio. I want to do water. But then it's like, it actually discouraged me from working out sometimes because I was like, man, I don't have the time to do that. So I'm just not going to work out until I like rewired my brain. I'm like, what am I talking about? I can just do 10 pushups right now. I can do 10 squats right now and just do a couple in the morning, do a couple of lunch, do a couple, like throughout the day, suddenly you've worked out. So it's kind of that same idea, you know, with the trumpet. And then that, you know, to me, then I was like, oh, man, I got to apply that to creation, to my video creation, because then if it's ready to go, you know, I don't have to have that that mindset where it's like, man, I need five hours or three hours or whatever in order to do this. I could be like, when I record my talking, my talking bits now for my uh, my mute videos and I got it scripted out, it's less than 20 minutes. I do the whole thing, including, you know, if I reshoot it or I'm adjusting the thing, I'm mainly is just like dealing with the speed that the, that the text is scrolling. But it's like, now I know, hey, if I got 15 minutes, if I got 20 minutes, I can record, uh, you know, 50% of one of my videos. And it's like, oh, man, that's it. I don't need an hour. I don't need two hours. So, uh, you know, just that type of realization where like, you know, you can, you can batch it. You can do little pieces at a time. And then when you're ready you can you can put all those pieces together man that time management is so clutch absolutely so i'm curious to get your thoughts on what would you say to a new creator who's a musician that's trying to break into youtube because no matter if you're trying to like be a singer or maybe like a a, a trumpet player or a saxophone or whatever i think music is one of the harder areas to break into youtube because i don't know i just feel like it's a lot harder for a musician because there's just so much to it and your the audience that you're trying to target or whatever you know you gotta you really have to lock in your audience so what advice would you give to a, a new musician that's trying to break out on youtube Ooh, that's a good question um i would say that um you know really focus on 
what you're trying to accomplish musically in your career. Like what, you know, what, what are your goals? Like, where are you trying to go? Where do you see yourself a year from now, two years, three, five? Um, because what you're putting out there uh, can have a direct impact and influence on that. And, you know, if, if you're trying to be a musician where you're a singer songwriter, you know, versus a touring musician uh, playing in, in other bands versus, you know, a lot of musicians that are uh, perform locally and then they teach at universities, like some of those are going to be different. The biggest thing that I would say is, is really trying to connect with your audience. That's, that's the biggest, like the musicians that I follow that are, are online that I feel like, man, I really love them. Like I want to, I want to hear them. I want to buy their album or I want to see them or like, you know, those are the ones that in their videos, they seem really personal and it doesn't seem like, uh, like they're trying to be too serious because like, all right, I went to music school. I went to conservatory, which is, you know, the bougie music school. And, <laughs> you know, I studied classical trumpet. I studied jazz. Uh, I have a master's degree in classical trumpet as well. And in, in university, they really want you to be like serious, you know, because everything's serious because you're right. playing an orchestra right. and it's like, oh, this is fine art. This is like a museum, right? <laughs> Man, Banksy is fine art too, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they, they want you to be real serious. And because of that, so many people, when they try and put themselves out there, they're like, so they're like kind of serious and like stuck up and they like have this, this like vibe to them that just isn't very like warm and inviting. And it's just not very personal because they're trying to like, you know, it's like my earliest videos. Like I, I got like a button collar shirt and I'm trying to be like a professor and I'm like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but that people don't react to that. People don't, you know, you're. No one wants to be lectured at. No one's opening YouTube to be like lectured at by a professor. They want to be, you know, or, or or played something which is just like, you know, seems like they're disinterested in the listener. So I think that the presentation and your approach and like your 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 vibe um, is I think that's something that a lot of 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 uh, of creators out there don't necessarily think that much of. Cause they're only worried about like, how can I present my music? Like how, and, and they're thinking about it from the perspective of, of ego of like, how can I put myself out there in the best possible way as a musician to make myself look good versus how can I put something out there that, that a viewer and a listener is really going to enjoy and really want to, you know, uh, watch and follow. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, getting out of your ego and, and, and putting yourself out there for people to enjoy. I'm going to repeat that for the people in the back. This man said that you need to get out of your ego and make your content for people out there that might want to listen to it and watch you. So I love that advice. It's something that I try to preach constantly here with IQ about understanding that it's just about more than you as a creator. It's about the audience that you're trying to reach and serving them in their needs. So appreciate you, Josh. Thank you very much, man. Yeah. So. Josh Rizepka, I appreciate you making time for the podcast, my dude. Uh, thank you so much, man. Um, if you guys want to check out his content and everything like that, I will have that information in the show notes, so definitely go down there and check that out. 
I appreciate y'all listening to another episode of Tube Talk. You know your boy Viper will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by Vid IQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.